0: guys, and welcome to another episode of The Young Lion Cast, your fortnightly audio source for all things New Japan Pro Wrestling. I am joined by my co-host, Chris O'Brien. How are you, Chris? The
1: world's still burning.
0: It is, and I introduce it has, you by saying it the fortnightly a thing. It hasn't been fortnightly in goddamn yeah, it's, weeks.
1: It's, it's been like a month, hasn't it? Like, I, think, I think literally we haven't done a classic, so like what was the last new japan show the last new Actually, japan was. show was new beginning yeah fuck we haven't done one since new beginning because like we we did a classic the same night like which in retrospect we should have banked but <laughs> uh, um then i i recorded a new japan cup preview but literally the day i was editing it like i recorded it with um i've forgotten his name but he does you know about new japan world extension that makes it easier to navigate uh danny hello danny if you're listening yeah, I, I recorded it with Danny and... Lo- lovely book. And I feel really sorry I didn't go out, but literally the day I was doing it, um, New Japan went, oh, by the way, we're not running. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck am I meant to do with this? God I almost burned damn it. my laptop. I literally almost burned my laptop.
0: <laughs> well... Before we before we talk about this, um, I just want to quickly go into literally uh, one of the only pieces of news coming out of New Japan, because obviously, as we've just said, they haven't run an event uh, since the new beginning in Osaka. Um, so news has come out today that New Japan are cancelling even more dates um, going up to and including May the 3rd and May the 4th, which, of course, not only is it Star Wars Day, it's also both wrestling Don Taku shows. Um... Before I get your thoughts on that, Chris, I just want to quickly say as well that as we talked about on our Twitter earlier today, New Japan are entertaining the idea of running empty arena shows. So, Chris, before you get into that, what's your opinion on them cancelling Dontaku? And then after that, talk to me a little bit about whether you'd be interested in seeing some New Japan empty arena shows.
1: Well, in terms of Dontaku, of course, it was like we we saw... Touching this the last stardom cast, where like the, um the Japanese government have been about tackling corona, where they kind of have, but also like been as lax as they possibly could be because they didn't want to put the Olympics at risk. And it's only now that the Olympics are like, right, we're not doing anything till next year, but they're just clamping down now. Hmm. And like ultimately, New Japan's going to be fine, and I'd rather have shows cancelled than pandemics getting worse. When it comes to, like, the empty arena stuff, it was cute when this wasn't as scary as it Like, when it was, like, still, like, 30 people, like, in the whole of the country or something, and now it's fou- Now the death toll is in the fucking thousands in basically every country. And it's like, well... D- d- but You still need a lot, a lot, a lot of people to host a empty arena show. And you still have a lot of... Um, people in very close quarter. and when you look at the New Japan roster, it's not a young roster. Like, at least with someone like Stardom, it's sort of like, well, they're all, like, 12 years old, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas you go to, like, New Japan and, like, sort of, like, name basically anyone who isn't Okada and JY, and they're all fucking ancient.
0: It's not only that for me, but they obviously aren't going to be able to fly anyone in so anyone who is currently at home so i'm thinking gaijin so you're thinking osprey saber junior i know that Tamatonga. so presumably tango lower as well aren't there aishin bad luck farlay isn't there um so you're looking at just your japanese wrestlers um are you going to be able to because you know new japan aren't just going to do the one-off show they're obviously going to do a tour are you going to pull together you know a four to six week tour with a decent roster from just those people, obviously they aren't going to risk, you know, people like Tanzan, who's 180, uh, Kojima, you know, people like that. You haven't got Liger anymore. You Getter. haven't got, yeah, you haven't got uh, Nakanishi anymore. So you, who do you call on? Like,
1: even look at, like, look at the main event of last, um, Dantaki. Both, both um, Naito and Kento are pushing 40. Both will have underlying health issues. Both will probably be, have been told to stay at home because of. <laughs>
0: Exactly. When you take that into account, you haven't got the largest roster to pad out at all. So, I mean, that aside, a lot of what I enjoy about Japanese wrestling, and it sort of leads into our classic match review, the thing that I feed on on in Japanese wrestling,
1: especially when you haven't got the English commentary, is the reaction of the crowds. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a weird stereotype that's arisen, and I have no clue where it arose from. But this this weird stereotype that Japan, by mostly perpetuated by people who don't actually watch Japanese wrestling or watch, something like the Tokyo Dome shows, where all the air doesn't really get captured because it's so big, mm. um, and yeah, the crowds uh, the crowds are really fucking loud. <laughs> like we don't chant, they are not going, we're not fucking going one fall and two sweet and shit, but they're. They, they do like champ for the rest of the Saints. They yay, they cheer the good guys, boo the bad guys, unless it's Tatsu United in Osaka. And yeah, like they they are loud and they do add a lot. And I think that was shown with Stardom doing empty arena shows.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at the Cinderella the Cinderella tournament, I think especially the final suffered a lot from not having a crowd to play off because, you know, we spoke about this on the Stardom cast, how they'd they'd built, you know, almost a miniature, very basic storyline throughout the tournament that Julie was going to be the babyface that won and Tora was going to be the, you know, the sort of dominant heel that needed to be vanquished in the final. And I think the crowd, come that final, um, would have played a huge part in it, but I feel it felt... You know, a little bit flat and I think that was in part due to the fact that the audience were now, or you know, there was an audience, but what was it, five hundred and thirty eight people in attendance? You know, yeah. in,
1: in and that's less than half. Yeah, no, that's what Corokin can hold up it holds close to two thousand,
0: doesn't it? So that's like- uh sixteen hundred I think is a or is eighteen hundred as a sell out.
1: Well it's it's close to a quarter it's closer to a quarter full than half full, is my point. And um, yeah. And, again, I keep, the, like, even taking away from empty arena shows, they kind of, the, not only are, like, they so played out, also, like, it's very hard, like, you look at all the, not just the wrestlers who will be close together, or the ring crew, uh, maybe they're going to have commentary or something, and, like, it still involves a lot of people being very close together, and those people will be, like, everyone knows an Irish person, so, like, there's a these possibility those people will pass it on, and it's just not worth it like just put everything on pause for a while because especially like with what we'd have online it wouldn't be a satisfying sh- like you'd have shows of really good match quality but it wouldn't be a satisfying memorable show because you don't have the um you can't go forward with your current storylines or whatever you had planned like i understand there's like no storylines because new beginnings have sort of ended and then everyone's going go to pick up but like so like For example, you could just throw on a random, say, Okada versus Sanada match. And yeah, it's probably going to be a great match, but like, will we be talking about it at the end of the year? No, probably not. Like, you're as good, like, and you're not going to make any money. Like, honestly, what they're doing now, I think, works. I think putting up the um, English commentary of classic matches, because that seems to be a lot of people's biggest barrier to watching old matches, is having no English commentary. Mm. So, like, what doing stuff like that, doing like the English talk shows, I think that's the best thing to do, at least until you can make sure you're not fucking someone by doing this.
0: Yeah. I mean, looking ahead into the future now, I'd be very, very surprised if new Japan did anything before wrestle dynasty.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I'd be, I'd be surprised if super genius goes ahead of the Olympics are off. I think <clears throat> you look now at the two
0: biggest events left of the year, and that's wrestle dynasty in August and the G one climax in October. You have, Mm. presumably, the Madison Square Garden show is going to cost a significant amount of money. I mean, looking at it logistically, it's going to be presumably quite difficult anyway because you know we don't know where we're going to be in August and also even if everything has cooled down we don't know if travel restrictions will have been lifted by that point but saying
1: especially, especially since America is doing a lot of villainization of like Asian regions I wouldn't be surprised if He Who Shall Not Be Named um, <laughs> just shuts down like all of um, Oriental Asia because he's that kind of reactionary butthole Mm, true.
0: Um I mean, yeah, but imag- even if that does take place, they aren't going to want to jeopardize that show. You know, having billed it basically as a
1: second Wrestle Kingdom show. Imagine if he did like a um New Beginning in USA twenty nineteen.
0: <laughs> oh my god. The, the
1: main event jo- is an eight man
0: elimination tag. <laughs>
1: yeah, involving fucking Jonathan Gresham, Clark Connors, and Jeff Cobb. <laughs> um, taxi and i'll get stripped of the awgp championship because he can't turn up to defend it so (laughs) it comes down it comes down to clark connors versus colt cabana that was the other bit of news i wanted to
0: talk to you about i wanted to talk to you about this before i went on before we uh, came on air but never mind um jordan devlin is being stripped of the cruiserweight championship because he can't get to america to defend it
1: that's fucking bollocks that is so unfair because that is not something WWE have a history of doing. <laughs> also, um, he put on Twitter with um, holding the belt, which by the way looks so much better now that right? it's black and not purple. But like he was holding the belt and he was like the one and only. And, then, <laughs> and Flash Morgan Webster episodes and The comments going, that's not what Regal said. <laughs> I'm <a> dabbling <devil laughs> <the supply laughs> i Chin, Re- I'll Chin Regal. <laughs> oh. You're a confident man if you think you can beat up William Regal.
0: Well, quite. Um, speaking of people who you are brave if you want to try and beat them up, let's get into our classic match reviews then, Chris, shall
1: we? Segway. Oh, nice. But, it's like, I don't know which one you're talking about, because to, be, to be fair, both men are, but I actually have a story, I have several stories spawning off from this.
0: Well, let's, let's... Oh my god plow full steam ahead into the first of our three like ogawa reviews did. like ogawa did um so we're talking of course about uh, new japan pro wrestling wrestling world in the tokyo dome from 1999 the 4th of january 1999 in front of 62,500 people um and we're talking about the infamous match uh between naoya ogawa and Shinya Hashimoto, which went to a no contest in six minutes and 58 seconds. Now, before Chris delves quite wholeheartedly into the backstory of this match, which is presumably the main
1: reason you chose this match, not because you wanted well, to watch it. To be fair, like, um, I. The way we pick the matches for this is, I give Rob categories, he picks categories, and then I give him options within said categories. He never picks the ones I want him to pick cause I, and it's it's so weird. So like, not I try to veer it towards the ones I want, and he always seems to go. nah, I'm gonna, I'm really gonna fuck up because I'll have like I'll start planning the podcast in my mind before I send them, and then um, Rob will decide. Nah, I'm gonna fuck Chris up. And <laughs> Just pick some like the thing I didn't want to pick. Like of all the options, this is by far the least funny, but also has the least the most to talk about. It's weird. But yeah. <laughs> it is.
0: It's it was a it was a very, very weird one. Now anyone who um, listens to these podcasts knows that at the end of our review of each match we'll give our rating at a ten. And don't forget you can check out those match ratings at www.podmania.co.uk. Um I think we can safely say, Chris. We're not we, rating this we're one. We're not we rating we can't, this one. We are
1: we can not rate this one. Um, before we get into the match, though, do you want to know what else was on this card?
0: I'm looking at it now on Cage Match. It's it's an eclectic card considering it's a Tokyo Dome.
1: Yeah. Um, that's the weirdest thing about New Japan. Because, like, um, Antonio Rinaldi was a, was a very, very ambitious um, booker. Mm. Like, both booker and... For example, like him and giant Baba, um, two of the biggest stars in wrestling, went on to make the two biggest companies in Japan. Um, Baba very much sort of knew his own limitations. like, for example, as he got older, he'd push himself further down the card. And like he knew people wanted to see him, but what, he, what he'd do he'd basically wrestle in like opening tags and then like go by the merch table, and then like he'd run the Tokyo Dome sometimes, but not often. And then like for the most part he stick to like he's basically stick to what he knows will make money and doesn't want to push the boat out too far. Like the biggest um outlandish thing he ever did was make sour, beat jumbo. But a Noki on the other hand is batshit fucking crazy.
0: Well, if ever there was evidence of that, it's this match, Chris.
1: Yeah, okay. So um we we haven't said the Kaida So like there's some interesting ones. For example, NWG Japan was still a thing with Tenzan and Kojima. Do, not anyway. just a thing in the semi-main. In the semi-main, you know who is in the main?
0: Rob. Oh, fucking. Now the main event is the it's IWGP Scott Heavyweight what? Championship match between Keiji Muto and the IWGP Heavyweight Champion at this time. This is this was two thousands New Japan Pro Wrestling for you. Fucking Scott Norton.
1: I think it's like a love. A few matches on here seem quite um, tasty. For example, Wagner Jr. and um, Kendall Cashin in the IWGP Jr. tag title um, picture. But like, Especially Wagner Jr., that sounds fun. With a Liga match, they are always good. Um, Kensuke, Zazaki versus Anita, that had, to, that had to have been good. No, it, no it wasn't. Because <laughs> uh, won by DQ. But in less have been than good. six minutes. What's what the point in having a special referee? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I must admit, Chris, of all the matches on this card, I the only on, one Don I'm really Fry'd interested in what? was Jushin. Dush... It like... right
1: Don Fry on this card? Why? Your guess is as
0: good as mine. Brian Johnson, isn't he a referee? Isn't he the singer of ACDC? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only match I'm interested on in uh, on this is the Jushin Thunder Lager versus Koji Kanemoto match. Because Liger in Tokyo. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, just, that's just not what we're scene. talking about. Chris, talk to me about Ogawa versus Hashimoto.
1: Right. So this has sort of started as a dispute. Um, this was a much anticipated rubber match. We had two um, singles matches before. Well, we had several. No, no, we had two. We had six on, and all, believe it or not, this is the third one. <laughs> we had we had three after this. Was this supposed to be the rubber match? Yeah, um, so Ogawa bet Hashimoto at um, Battle Formation in 1997 in the Tokyo Dome. Okay. And then uh, Hashimoto, as champion, defeated Ogawa um, again in the Tokyo Dome. So this is like a Tokyo Dome trilogy. And obviously, this was the Osaka Dome, rather. So but it was sort of a trilogy of different domes. And now we're back in the Tokyo Dome. Much, and This is a very hotly anticipated feud. Like, it's weird how like, buried in history. Like, you look at, like, All Japan and they sort of idea, um, idealised the 90s, but it's weird because Shinya Hashimoto was by far the biggest of the Three Musketeers at the time, but is by far the least discussed nowadays.
0: Well, I think there's a reason for that, and okay. I think
1: this is... This has got a lot to do with that, Chris. You're beating about the bush, my friend. Yes, I am. Right, first of all, Robin, I need to introduce you to the idea of Inokiism. I know you already know about it, but people at home, can you explain to people at home what Inoki is, uh, that Inokiism is, please?
0: Um, I'd rather not.
1: <laughs> right, so Antonio Anoki. Sorry, you proper put me on the spot then. I panicked. <laughs> so Antonio Inoki very much believed that um, wrestling must simulate shoot fighting. Yeah. Which makes complete... Well, Shin... Because um, Ogawa is a judoka. He's a big judo champion. Um, and you look at Shinya Hashimoto and you look at him and think, yeah, he could probably kick your ass. Um, he's It's either that or he's going to nick your rice. Um, <laughs> uh, so... Um, this sort of became a natural feud. And if you look at this match before it became a shoot, they were, like, shoot fighting. Like, pretend shoot... Like, um, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. Or, like i mean no a suzuki match something like that it was it was like a and like that's over anoki um antonio noki envisioned and like on the surface that's completely fine like that just that's just a house style strong style is very much like a shoot oriented style. so like kicking a lot of kicks a lot of strikes a lot of submissions it's basically mma where Anoki went mad was he would start putting his wrestlers in real fights right so like, put, so, like, Yuji Nagata, Jushin Fondalaya, all these people who can't, like, fight were put into fights, And if they lost, they would lose their title. Okay. But the <laughs> reason Keiji Muto fucking fled to All Japan, and, like, that's when All Japan was dying. Um, like, Enoki isn't crippled. Or like, we'll get into myth next time I do a story dying, because, like, Enoki isn't basically crippled. New Japan. It's 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 honestly a wonder they survived. But at one point, I think they drew less than 10,000 people to Tokyo then. Wow. Jesus like, Christ. To put that into perspective, imagine if um, less than 10,000 people showed up to a mania. A pa- like, disregarding last week's mania. Awful. <laughs> exactly. And so, I am being about the bush, because you know what happened to this? <laughs> so... Um, I should point out, it's never been confirmed that this happened. Because I, I don't want Antonio you know Noki to fucking come up to my house in his dinner frame and kick my ass. But, like, allegedly, <laughs> um, Ogawa, again, legit Jidoka, was told to shoot on Hashimoto without Hashimoto being told that Ogawa was gonna shoot.
0: It was the most um, uncomfortable thing I've ever watched.
1: Yeah, right, so, like, it just starts with Ogawa just act- actually kicking um, Hashimoto, and to be fair, that could be construed as a botch. But then, Ogawa got Hashimoto sort of trapped in a sort of a um, a leg hold? I don't know, what, but like, it's sort of like down as if he was going to go for a power driver, but he sort of wrapped himself in the ropes and sort of held on for dear life. Several times this happened. So, yeah, several times, and like... It led to Hashimoto being in a wreck on the floor, and like we're not talking about any of any of any more of a match because um, to be completely fair, <laughs> Ogawa started shooting. What two minutes into this seven minutes match? Or there was the seven. There was just five minutes of Ogawa shooting.
0: There was a point during this match that you could see Hashimoto in his eyes, almost think, "I'm in a bit of trouble here," because he kept going. Towards Ogawa's legs to try and almost, almost keep himself
1: out of trouble, and also to try and negate oh, it, it his was, kicks. Yeah, you know, exactly. He was trying to get like take the legs out from under him, like because because um, all of a sudden like um, Hashimoto was forced to have to shoot back because <laughs> like what else? Can, literally, what else can you do? Like until the people real um, like the people backstage realize what happened, and they did, and they ran out. What else are you meant to do? You can't run because then you ruin your um, reputation. Yeah. And, and And, like, in New Japan, where, like, that that would probably result in Hashimoto never get pushed again. Like, I can't imagine what must have been going through Hashimoto's head at the time. In front of 62,000 people. Yeah, and, like, we've only seen one Hashimoto match on this um, segment, but how good is he? He's very,
0: very good. He's He's very good. Vastly underrated when he's you know, when he's put up against Keiji Muto
1: and uh, Choshu, he's very, very underrated. Um, do you, uh, Yeah, no, that's the thing. You put him up against like, other people at the time, like Chono or Muto, um, M- uh, and then you have, like, yeah, um, Rising Stars, like Tenzan and Kojima, and then, like, you have your juniors, like, Liger, and, like, he, it just leads to Hashimoto being lost. In show, which, again, is weird, because he was the big draw for New Japan at the time. Yeah. Like, this few did do gangbusters. And then it turned into a fight. So so like um, Ogawa represented UFO, <laughs> which were... <laughs> you laugh. I do, I do, and, I do. and, and you should. Um, I'm trying to. I, I had what it meant in front of me, but I have lost it. Um, <laughs> it's like Universal Fighting something organization. I think that that would make sense. Um, and he would take the place in different fight- style fights, which basically meant MMA. And so, like, those guys came down, which is why you saw people wearing shirts that just said UFO on it. Yes. And then um, New Japan guys came down. You could see, like, it's super weird because, like, Tiger Mask still had his mask on.
0: Yeah, he was not breaking K-Fave at all. It was.
1: It's like, this is a shoot, but, like, the thing is, if he came out without his mask, no one would know, but anyway. Um, it's a bit weird, though, because, like, then, like, allegedly, um, Izuka, um, the one you hate, Takashi Izuka, um, ended up getting um, Ogawa's Kahneman, um, I'm going to butcher this, Kizuniri, um Murakami, hospitalized.
0: I've never loved Izuka more. Izuka more,
1: yeah. <laughs> and then, like, um, New Japan, um, Choshu came out. And it's like, I'm not being funny. Ricky she's must have been 108 at this point. And he, I was still very scared. I was very scared for every UFO me- um, guy's life before, like, everything was to sort of... <laughs> but, yeah, like, how, like, weird a situation... Like, and it's disgustingly common how often shoot things happen in new japan but like what um, and not only in new japan just in japanese wrestling in general like stardom had what had a shoot issue i think new J- um all Japan had one um new japan's had several actually <laughs> like so many like it's, it's disgusting how many shoot incidents new japan had um but like what makes this one especially weird is b- the head of the company told someone to shoot on his ace why was that it, I don't know. <laughs> 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 just Enoki innit? It, it? It's just... Like, literally, the best answer I can give you is because it's Inoki. Like, that's literally the only answer I can remotely give you. Just ridiculous. Like, I have looked, Rob. I looked, like, an hour before we came on and was like, right, I'm going to actually see if there's an answer to this. There's no answer to this. I can't find one. If anyone has one, someone please tell me. Because, like, this is up there with the great wrestling mysteries. Why the fuck did Anoki have someone shoot on his ace? <laughs> like, to put this in perspective, imagine if um, Vince had Brock Lesnar um, legitimately, like, take, knock out Roman Reigns for some reason. Or Randy Orton at SummerSlam. Or, I mean, to be fair, wouldn't you want to knock out Randy Orton? Um, <laughs> so like, you're
0: scared of Enoki, but not Randy Orton.
1: Yeah, Randy on the fucking punk. Um... Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> oh like, oh like, and imagine if like um, Triple H had Killer Cross shoot on Gargano, or if um, Gato had Jay White shoot, but had Suzuki shoot on Okada. Like there was no logical sense here. I think I think it was to make Ogawa. He wanted Ogawa to. Because, like, um, at this point, Hashimoto was very close to taking time off. He was going to go away. Um, create zero one, one And then, like, the plan was always for him to come back and to have his, like, time in the... Like, because basically it was... Uh, how, how can we miss you if you don't go away? Basically. Hmm. So, um, but he was going to have him go away. Set up and so, um So, he would still have an income. But, like, the whole idea was for, like... Um probably Hashimoto to come back and have a Zero One New Japan feud, which would probably end with 0-1 going bankrupt, because that's what ha- just what happened when New Japan feuded with the company. Um And then Hashimoto was like, yeah, I'm gonna go away and make zero one, but you know what, I'm not fucking coming back. I heard there was this was all sort of around
0: this I'm sure Zero One played an integral part of this because originally I'm sure Hashimoto wanted Zero One to be almost a development territory, didn't he, for no, again,
1: I g Exactly. The idea was they were meant to be um, working together. It's just a case of they wanted Hashimoto away from like the IWGP championship picture, but they had nothing else for him. So it's like, yeah, go ahead and do this, and when you come back, we can have you feuding. Because, like, again, it's like the Okada problem. Everything was getting stale, and then he was like, well, we can't have that. And then, like, yeah, just for some reason, yeah, kick the shit, shit out of the biggest star of the night
0: just utterly baffling, utterly, utterly baffling. And watching it, like you can see there's a moment when um, Hashimoto rolls out to the ramp and he's just, he's covered in blood and it's it's an uncomfortable watch. Like you get people who watch, you know, things like the big cast versus Enzo feud and go, oh, it's uncomfortable to watch this. No, no, no. This was uncomfortable to watch. Hang on, what? People said that? Oh, that was on Twitter, yeah. Oh, this is uncomfortable to watch, because they were friends. (laughs) That was a genuine tweet I saw during that feud. I've always remembered that.
1: Have they ever watched wrestling?
0: Well, I don't know if you were around, Chris, because I don't think you were born when Enzo and Cass started feuding. Um,
1: (laughs) I was eight, all right. We can't go a single... I'll have you know, hang on, what, what was this? 2017? I was... Shit, twenty. I was twenty years old. He says this, guys. He wasn't. I was.
0: only <laughs> three years ago. Um. So, Chris,
1: this wasn't a good match at all. No, no. But we but we can't rate it because it's not actually a match.
0: It's not. I mean, this wasn't Hashimoto's last match. In New Japan though, was it? It wasn't his last match against Ogawa. No, that's what I mean, because I'm sure he had a match against
1: Ogawa in 0 1. Next... Um not a to cage match. Or was it in yeah. the or was it for or is it NWA? He had a match against Ogawa in the Tokyo Dome next year. Really? So it wasn't not only was
0: it not his last match for New Japan, it also wasn't his last match for New Japan in the
1: Tokyo Dome against yeah, Ogawa. Looking at um something like we want like Onoki basically wanted Ogawa to be the next big thing, this is how he's seen it happening and then um yeah, Agawa went on for a year was a big nasty bastard and then beat Hashimoto by knockout at the next year's Tokyo Dome. Oh, this did lead to um, Zero One and Noah having a mini partnership where um, Hashimoto, kicked, in a weird reverse of fortune, kicked someone so hard that um, he, the other dude took the, whole, the match home early because he didn't want to keep getting kicked by Hashimoto. Well, in the video
0: package leading up to this match, um, at least the one um, on the Daily Motion feed that we've put up on Twitter... Um, It shows some footage of the Hashimoto and Ogawa match from, I think, November of the previous year. Mm -hmm. Um, Fucking hell, those kicks from Hashimoto look stiff. Jesus! Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, if I was Ogawa, I'd have gone... I'd have shoot on uh, Hashimoto.
1: Fucking kicks! (laughs) I like how you've suddenly started defending Ogawa.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If he wants to shoot, let him shoot, all right?
1: I mean... (laughs) Yeah, like, honestly, this is just an oddity in Japanese wrestling history. And unfortunately, it's not like at least once a decade, you're going to, at the least, you have a shoot incident somewhere. Like, name a company, they've had that problem. And it's just a bit gross. Like, this is the first shoot incident I can think of that actually didn't involve Inoki. (laughs) It's it's like, one of those things like, you
0: always talk about, isn't it? When you talk about Anoki,
1: like Antonio Anoki versus um the Great Antonio, <laughs> where the Great Antonio decided not to sell for Anoki, I and mean, then Anoki was like, "All right, I'm going to beat the shit out of this fat bastard." The man
0: legitimately known to shoot on people. Why would you yeah, not, not sell being... for him?
1: Because <laughs> he's massive. He was like, "Yeah, he's only small." I mean, we <laughs> I remember we by the way um Bill Burr, I think. He had, like, a commentary over this match and this fucking collab. <laughs> the thing is, he doesn't, he doesn't actually know about wrestling. He just heard about this, and he was like, oh, this is amazing. Ridiculous. Shall
0: we move on to an actual
1: wrestling match, Chris? Let's
0: move on to an actual wrestling match. We should look at something good from New Japan next, shouldn't we? And that's exactly what we are going to do. So we are looking back. We talk classic matches. We're actually just going back... A few months, a modern really. Classic. Yeah, a modern classic. We're talking I'm taking a match from the G1 Climax 2019 Night Seven Block A action. So we're talking 20th of July 2019 from Corican Hall in front of 1722 people, and it's the main event. Between Kazuchika Okada, and Will Ospreay. Okada defeating Ospreay in 21 minutes and 56 seconds. This is the kind of shit Rob likes, Chris.
1: <laughs> I like flippy shit and hard kicks. This, this was great, mate. This, this was great. This match makes me rock hard. <laughs> um, I'm tr- hang on, I'm just trying to get the right one up on Cage Match. <laughs> because um, I did I opened Cage Match and it turns out I had it on the fucking um, The anniversary one. The anniversary one, yeah. And now they have they have so many tag matches together. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There we go. There I, you go. That would be the one. So what first of all, we should talk about how and we never got I one reason I picked this one was um well p- partly I was expecting you to pick the Kent and Mia Harry versus Jake Lee match. But secondly uh, we never, because we weren't doing the Young Lion at the time. We never got to talk about how insane last year's G one was. Last one's last year's G one was, with its
0: consistency, the best G one I've ever seen. And I've gone back and watched G ones all the way from, pardon me twenty five all the way through to twenty nine. You watched like the full tournament. Yes.
1: Oh. That's a fascinating thing that you've actually never told me. Um, oh, I apologize. <laughs> Twenty-seven. That's my that's my personal favorite G1 because the memories attached to it.
0: Like girls or just. <laughs> I, whenever you say memories like that, it just makes you think. Did Chris get laid whilst watching g one twenty seven?
1: Someone saw evil beating Okada and was like, you know what? <laughs> He's Chris. Chris has long hair like Evo. He's fucking irresistible. No, um, just make sweet love to me, Chris. No, it's the first G one I had the opportunity to like watch as it was happening. Like, yeah, because the other one, like this, I think I believe it was the first one after World released. Before you had to pay like seventy quid for um the shows, and I was like bit steep. And then like nowhere. It was just before people gave a shit, so I could not find a decent torrent to save my life. Um, and then this time it's like, oh shit, it's on World. And then, like, it's super weird because, like, this is when I still watch Raw occasionally. Like, I tune in randomly and I was like, huh, I wonder what happened with this Kurt Angle storyline where people keep calling him and saying, I'm going to expose you. And then it turned out Jason Jordan was Kurt Angle's son. And it's like, you know what? F- shit, fuck, I'm done. And I didn't watch again until the Rumble. But, <laughs> um, then. G127 happened, and it's like, oh my god, all this good shit, with the exception of this. Start. Like, it even with, I believe, with Yoshihashi versus Yuji Nagata, which was still a great match.
0: I mean, we've said many, many times on this show that Yuji Nagata is massively, massively underrated as the person who can still go now. Him and
1: Kojima are really, really good still now. Yes. Um but anyway, yeah, we're gonna have to talk about G one twenty seven properly at some point. But G one twenty nine first of all, it like it it was it was very much a G one of surprising um good matches in surprising places. For example, the first match was Lancharge versus Osprey, which turned out to be fucking great. <laughs> it did.
0: Um and you're absolutely right. Matches that had no right to be good were still fantastic. Goto, for example, who we lambasted for large portions
1: of this, this podcast, is... had a great this... tournament. This is before um, G and G one stood for Goto, and then like throughout the tournament, it eventually did to st- start to stand for Goto. Like his Ishii match because was good, but then like his Jay White match, he, like he's had three matches with Jay White, two of them have been piss poor, but the one he had in G one was great. And I, I remember texting you when because I, I was a couple of days behind because I went to the progress show, um, in Newcastle, like for de- when the G1 started, so I was a bit behind, and I just messaged you going, "Fuck, where's this GoTo being? It was it
0: it was the rebirth of GoTo as we know, and it unfortunately it's a shame that it only yielded a
1: couple of days never open weight championship reign, but never mind. Um, like when you had like Shingo being amazing, of course you had Abooshi. Um, Sonada was having the year of his life. It didn't translate a lot in the G one, apart until he went against Okada and also Ibushi. Um, Kenta was starting to come out and got more heelish as the tournament went went on, which um, came to being one of the best story beats of last year. Um, last year, when he beat up Shibata, um, Okada was being as good as Okada's ever been. Lance Archer was a surprising standout. John Moxley um, just going on a tear. Um, Taichi had his coming out party and not the same because i love him but also like seriously you can't deny how good tai chi's G- like tai chi's g1 would have been up there in like betwi- in like um a block in the 20 i'm sorry, sorry in g128 and g128 had was an amazing b block like matches of the year twice every night um, and then you had the A block, which were basically propped up by Okada and Tanahashi. Yeah, because it was like, the Maccabay block, wasn't it? Yeah, no, Maccabay, Hashi, um, and Fale all in that one block. And, like, I love Michael Elgin. He can't have a. He needs someone um, compelling to have a good match. Um, Jay White was significant, like, despite many people seeing that as when he got good, was significantly dumbing down his normal um, antics to sort of fit into the confines of a G1 um and then like for some reason like and and, and, and like in reality white tanahashi and um okado were the only people who were remotely getting into the final so most matches ended up not matching. and then you didn't even have a champion in the block to make their matches interesting mm. so like just in terms of how that was but then here you had like um champions in both block um you had um, because who was I'm trying to remember who the IC champion was at the time.
0: Um, the IC champion was um Nio.
1: no yes it was because no. then he yeah it was he beat he beat Ibushi yeah, um because then well, yeah, yeah so yeah the the IC champion in one block and the world champion in the other block who was the never champion at the time it was Ishii so he was in the other block as well and then the US champion was jeep, so he had more um champions in one block, but having the world champion in the other block sort of made that okay. And then in like that block you had like Abushi, Okada, Osprey. Wasn't the Kenta, US champion uh... Moxley? Ah mm, oh, fuck, yeah, he was. So you had like an equal dis but you still had most of the champions in one block. Yeah. So, but like when you had A block made up for it because you had like what Tanahashi could have conceivably won, Kenta could have con- like Kenta could- was like a dark horse, but he could he could have still went through, it. I could have seen that, like if they wanted to push into the moon. Ibushi, um, Okada, Osprey, poss- like there was more people I could foresee winning. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, like, yeah, just the way the blocks were set out were perfect. And then, like, in. But in a block like Tanahashi was a bit compromised, Zack Sabre Jr. was a bit um, bogged down by Brexit. Um, <laughs> so like, but you had like Abushi, Okada, and Osprey being match up the year machines throughout the whole um, G One, and it, especially over these two Korokin shows. Yes, yeah. worth saying if you're ever going to watch G One, and you like understand like the um, need sometimes to skip shows is there never skip the Corican shows. they always produce the best matches of the tournament because, like, you also on the next night, um, the night, um, a couple of nights before, you had um, Ospreay versus Ibushi and then, like, either the night before or the night after, I can't quite remember, you had Ishii and Moxley.
0: Yeah. And... Okay, you can go go now. Sorry. It's all right. Every every night of this G1 had match of the year contenders. And it's only because it's such a huge block of wrestling that sometimes you forget just how good some of these matches are. I mean, you know, the end of year awards, things like Shingo versus Ishii wasn't mentioned as our
1: match of the year. Naito versus Shingo you know i've been meaning to talk to you about this i think tournament matches should be counted differently just because of context because actually i'm gonna go i'll go into this um when we get into the actual match but like the context of this match made it much better
0: yeah absolutely and i think as well the commentary team of rocky um kevin kelly, kelly and uh chris made this so much yeah. better with their commentary and obviously rocky talking from a chaos point of view it really really did help this match along so Let's get into the match then. For me, there was a couple of stories heading into this. There was the progression of Osprey, and they kept saying so before Osprey was always facing Okada to prove himself, even at the anniversary show, yet now he is facing Okada legitimately as a threat, someone who can beat okada okada is going through this tournament they are talking about him being the first champion in i think they said 19 years to actually win the g1 climax he was at four 0, i think or three yeah, 0. he
1: was at he was at eight points at this point
0: yeah and osprey had one one lost two so you know okada was very very much the big dog imperious and osprey had everything to prove but there was that undertone Brought forward by the commentary team, that Osprey could be the person to defeat Okada, and this we talked about Osprey's year last year. He had an absolutely
1: phenomenal year last year, and obviously yeah, it's, now it's, he's moved it's up. It's not a hot take either; like it's the most cliche thing you can say on a wrestling podcast. Oh, Os- well, Osprey had an amazing twenty nineteen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Everyone is saying, but well, everyone's saying it for a reason because it's damn true. But here, I feel this match, this storyline, was the thing that was the coming-out party for Will Ospreay.
1: Yeah, well, I sh- we should first of all say, like, going back, I want to say, until, like, um, Tokyo Dome the year before, you could probably pick a 10 out of 10 match from Will Osprey every month. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's so ins- insane, this managed right now. And... Um, these two had faced earlier in the year in what I felt was a disappointing match. Did you ever watch that match? Which Man one? Osprey, Okada Rosprey at the Cup.
0: Um, yes. Yes, I did. and it, What it, do you think of it? It wasn't disappointing. It was just, I think, they'd had such a great match at the anniversary show the year before. And, it was or the year, almost in yeah, the year before. And,
1: yeah, and they, it wasn't comparable, I think is yeah. the problem. It was essentially the same match. Um, and also, there was an issue of there was no way in how Osprey would Like, when, for example, when you saw the anniversary show, it was a novelty. It's sort of just what happens at the anniversary show nowadays. Whereas um, at the Cup, there was no way in how Ospreay was going through. There was no way in how they were having... Because, um, like, Sonata was very obviously winning on one side of the block. There was no fucking way they were having anyone but Okada face Jay White at the dome. At MSG, rather. So, like, there was no way Osprey was going to win. It was in front of, like, a, it was in a weird building. Yeah. Like, it didn't seem like there was too many people there. And, like, just a mix of, like, outside factors hindered it. Whereas this, it's in Corican Hall, which is always going to be a hot crowd. It, you know, at heart of Tokyo, like, small, sweaty arena. Um, you, then you have um, the fact that it's a G1, and the G1 is just where surprises happen. Mm. Yeah. Like um for example, every year in Osaka in the G one for the past I think four years the IWGP champion has been pinned by an outsider. The outsider is normally Ishii, but he's been pinned. <laughs> Who can do a really good match at King of Pro Wrestling? Ishii <laughs> And yet he never gets the King of Pro Wrestling match.
0: No, it's always, always power struggle. To...
1: Yeah, it's no uh, No destruction. It's... Yeah, no, but one time he got, because, like, it's, he's pinned it twice, I think, it was Okada and Omega, of course he's not going to face Okada, and then they're like, eh, we'll throw that Omega at destruction, and then, like, they had that weird triple threat at King of Pro Wrestling, because Abushi cause beat um, Omega, and had a claim to Omega, and then Cody just walked in the ring going, hey, bro, we're friends now, I know I've already had a failed shot at this championship, but can I have another one? without
0: any legitimate claim.
1: Um, There was no legitimate claim. No, there wasn't.
0: This match, it was... (laughs) I I can't describe how much I enjoyed it on second watching. Osprey pulled out all of the stops here, and there was a beautiful bit of camera work where Osprey had just done the second Ozcutter, and Okada had kicked out. By the way, Okada's... Last minute, last second kickouts are fucking phenomenal, especially in this match. Oh. completely on point. Um, One of the
1: best kickouts in the biz.
0: Yeah, there's a moment where Osprey sits up, his hairs all over the place, and he looks just desperate.
1: And it's brilliant.
0: It just the look on his face is how the fuck do I put Okada away here? Because in the entire lead up to the end of the match, Osprey was in charge.
1: Yeah and that's actually, you say that, like, both men were very, um, were in charge at various points. Well, what I like about this match, where, like, the previous match, you just sort of, you could predict every spot that was going to happen. Like, we just sort of went through the motions. Because, like, it's, I don't think it's unfair to say both these men have a formula. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, and, like, that's not a bad thing, like, um, but then, like, how good matches are is either how good they harness the formula or how good they subvert the formula. And these two men, the sort of, saw each other's signatures because of spots and meant you know what, you're just not going to do them.
0: Sometimes. I mean, and we saw it in this match. There's the bit where um, Osprey does, you know, the flip onto the ropes and bounces back as a sort of front as though he's going to go over the top rope. And, you know, yeah. it's it's a very tired trope that we seemingly have to have every single time Osprey has a match. But... On the flip side, his reversals to get out... I mean, his reversal from the Raymaker into the Spanish Flyer. I don't care who you are. If you see this match for the first time and you don't pop for that, are you even a wrestling fan? It was see, so seamless. They, it was beautiful.
1: It's amazing. But the thing is, they did that at the... um the we show. What got me is when he flipped over... And like normally when he fl- or like Alva Rainmaker, he flips over, that's already kill. Cool. Normally he just goes for a power bomb, and like I was like, okay, he's going for a power bomb. No, he goes for Stormbreaker, and like holy shit, this match might be ending.
0: You you legitimately thought, and again, the commentary team did a fantastic job. Okada is in imperious form here. He's 4-0, 3-0, sorry. No, 4-0, I was right. And he is completely untouchable. No one can touch him at this point. And you genuinely think that this junior heavyweight, because at this point Osprey is the junior heavyweight junior champion, champion, is going to pin Okada. As soon as he gets him up... For the Stormbreaker, and Okada doesn't wriggle out of it, you know, instantly. Which people do, they wriggle out of it instantly. You're like, oh, it's you know the reversal Mm. spot. Okada doesn't. He waits and he waits, and you're almost like, fucking hell, is Osprey going to hit this? And then he wriggles out of it, hits the tombstone. But it's just everything they did was timed so beautifully. Like,
1: I've never it flowed like water. It was beautiful, and um. But also, like, they didn't. Like, Osprey didn't wrestle like a junior for the whole thing. Like, I think that was. Like, before, it was sort of like the novelty of a junior wrestling like a junior against a heavyweight. Whereas now, Osprey's throwing chops like he's fucking Walter. I mean, doesn't matter.
0: like, a chop made the crowd chant for him. That chop, that's exactly where I was going to go with this. I was just going to say, the start of this match, Okada sort of treats. Osprey, like, as you said, that novelty, that junior heavyweight. And then that moment where O'Card, because he had the spot with the chops where Osprey's laying into O'Card with the chops, and O'Card is just completely no selling them. And then later on, Osprey lights him up with this chop and he catches it. So it thunders around this arena, and the Corican crowd absolutely explode, chanting his name. And you're right, this was the moment that Okada was like, right. Osprey's so much more than a junior heavyweight. You know, he is a fucking heavyweight, and I'm going to have to stop dicking around now. Okay? And yeah. as Rocky said, you know, playtime's over.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, like, Osprey started, like, outpowering Okada. Like, at first he was outmaneuvering. Like, there's this beef up. You know the sort of... I call it the Tajiri thing, but like he did a handspring into, like, the... into Giri. Yes, um, he, but um, so he did that. A ducks, but Osprey somehow sees this and fucking backflips over him like he's a fucking Power Ranger, <laughs> and then just does it again.
0: Just such amazing chemistry, such amazing chemistry.
1: Because like we we talked about him the last match. How there's this um, weird um, stereotype where Japanese wrestlers, uh, uh, Japanese wrestling has like no crowd interaction. This match sort of busts another um, Japanese wrestling trope where it's just sort of um, two people in black tights beating the shit out of each other and people enjoy it for some barbaric thing. No, but like there was, despite the fact this match moved so fast, there was logical movement in everything. And like there's this weird thing where people think um, wrestling fans of today, so like me, like you, uh, just into the most gifable parts of wrestling, we just want the, those big flips. And yeah, we want those big flips, but also like, they ring super hollow like um and wrestling is fake fighting at the end of the day anyone who says otherwise just doesn't fundamentally have eyes. and um so like in kayfabe like will osprey um flipping around someone to outmaneuver them is no different from ishii knocking the shit out of them with a forearm so like I don't, I, I I. forgot where I was going with
0: this. But... <laughs> <laughs> You're just shitting on the basic premise of wrestling, I believe, was your no, uh, Was not, your endgame. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm not, no, no, it's just a case of like, I'm trying to illustrate, like, for example, I used to be one of those people who didn't like Osprey Like, I liked him for the Jimmy Havoc stuff in Progress, but I was, in my head, I just, I sort of justified that as Jimmy Havoc being such a good heel. Whereas, like, when he started, like, just getting me into it, it's like, it's, it's me about to realise, it's like, Okay, so, like, the flip-offs he does are as legitimate as, like, the strong style shit I love as well. So... Having the two mix is just sort of perfect. And then, like, the power game he had, like, where he got Okada up into a tombstone position and started kneeing him.
0: It was here that you really, really noticed how much weight he'd put on. Like, muscle mass that Osprey had put on.
1: Like, you didn't know... You noticed it kind of in Super Junior, because he's bigger than every other Junior. Well, apart from Shingo. Um... Who absolutely um, is not a junior. <laughs> no, when Jingle went to the G1, I'm like he just looks at that and well, you know what? This feels right. <laughs> he's in the Ishii mould, isn't he? Yeah, no, that's when he's perfect for Venero Division. Which Osprey wasn't. That was that was a weird part of last year. Um but yeah, I this match is just so it's very hard to put into justice how good this was. Well,
0: I mean to give it some sort of credence, Meltzer gave this
1: five and three quarter stars. He, he gave Osprey versus fucking Kent a four and a half stars so what the fuck does he know? <laughs> True,
0: but if he's willing to give it that much, you know, it's obviously a very, very, very good match and it's yeah, didn't, my didn't top five same...
1: matches for the tournament. For the t- I'm trying to think what tops this. The ibushi Osprey match from the night before actually does top this for me. The
0: Shingo versus Ishi match, the Shingo and Naito, Shingo Naito match, um, the Moxley Ishi match. I wouldn't put that above,
1: but like, yeah, that's probably the top five. Thing is, like, you, we say that, like, I've, I've, no one apart from Farley had a bad tournament. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, like, even Juice, who like historically does not mesh with a G one, like at all.
0: I mean, Cobb had a tired tournament. I don't think he had a bad tournament. I
1: just I think, think it was very tired, this, very laboured. I think this tournament sort of exposed, like not exposed. That's a that would that would indicate that Jeff God's a bad wrestler. He's not. He's exceptional. But again, we were just talking about the giftable parts of wrestling. That's kind of all uh, all Cobb has. Yeah, which I, is no, which I got that. Fine. Which is fine when he's in tag matches for the most part and then has like a title match once a month in like PwG or something. But or like turns up on a weekly show and aren't uh, like Ring of Honor and squashes a jobber. But then like you had him in this tournament and he had Moxley who's having the best matches of his fucking life and he can't do anything with Cobb. You know, it's that kind of thing. And like that's fine, like, but it does show that Cobb has a ceiling. I assume we are giving this ten. I, I, do, do i look like a contrarian well i do actually but um yeah of course of course it's a 10 i, p- I picked every match um because the category we should probably have said the category this was the hallowed hall category of class of modern classics in corak yeah
0: absolutely so from one ten 10-star classic to presumably what we will eventually categorize as another. We are moving from New Japan to Pro Wrestling NOAH to the NOAH Navigate for Evolution 2003 Show Night 9 from the 1st oh, of mouthful. March. It was bloody hell. 1st of March <laughs> of 2003 uh, from Budokan Hall uh, in front of 16,700 people. And we are looking at the main event between Kenta Kobashi and Mitsuharu Misawa for the GHC Heavyweight Championship match, with Kobashi finally defeating Misawa in 33 minutes and 28 seconds in another Meltzer Five Star Misawa match. Chris, this match. Okay. Couple
1: things. Um, first of all, do you, want, do, we, do you want to quickly say what's on the other card on this card since we did that for the last two matches? 'Cause there's some decent looking stuff on there. I mean, looking through the
0: cards, you've got Kenta and Marafuji versus Hashin Kanamaru, um, which got also got four and a quarter stars from Meltzer. Two that cold melts, Scorpio. That meant
1: back in the day.
0: Two cold Scorpio
1: versus
0: just Scorpio. Just cold Scorpio. Um, against not the Ogawa, surely.
1: <laughs> no, I think it I think it's just an Ogawa. Um I'm sorry. I like how we just didn't. Hang on. I do have his Wikipedia. Yeah, no, it's a different Ogawa. Yeah, I was. I was like, what? Really? No, of course not. Um. Yeah, Janaki Ami on the undercard. Fun fact. Part of the reason. Um. We'll go into this when we cover that period on the classic. But like, basically, one of the reasons. Um. Ironically enough, Masawa wanted um to do stuff differently in all Japan and um giant baba's um wife wouldn't let him was he wanted to take people like Kibashi, Kawada, Tawei, and himself and like the aging guys like Vader and Hansen and Johnny Ace out of the main event and start pushing guys like Akiyama. And now Akiyama was at the forefront of that, yeah. Yeah. And then like Masar was like, Fine, I'll go make my own company with Blackjack and Hookers and the Yakuza for some reason. Um but yeah so matches like this and no it actually didn't happen all that much because Masawa while he, like he recognized like people like him and Kabashi did have to be in the main event he wanted to push people like Akiyama like Takayama for a lot of Yamas I <laughs> um, love young lions coming up like, like you're looking here like Akira Tawa who's one of the four pillars of heavens on the undercard yeah absolutely but, like, the under undercard he's in the second match so yeah and then you have like Rikyo um, and like so there's just. But there was a lot going on in Noah. Like, this is after the formation, this is asked to be established themselves, so, like, we are in Budokan Hall. Because um, for a lot of people, Noah just sort of replaced Old Japan.
0: It naturally it naturally carried on from yeah. where, you know, the golden age of Old Japan sort of there, left off.
1: There's definitely more Strong Style elements within Noah's Star Vault. Like, it's a, like a mix between King's Road and Strong Style.
0: Well, there are a couple of moments in this where... Strong style <laughs> certainly prevails.
1: <laughs> oh, my. First of all, um, we haven't actually talked about classic Noah's aesthetic. What do you think of, like, the Emerald?
0: Well, we talked about it briefly on the last podcast, yeah, because obviously we had Takiyama versus this um, Kobashi.
1: But, like, we didn't actually, like... We talked more about how it compares to, like, current style. Just what do you think of it in general? It's...
0: It's different.
1: Yeah, I'm not like in hindsight. Like I I didn't like the green being taken away because of just because of how long it'd been there. But like in hindsight, the current look is so much better. I'm not
0: saying I'm a fan of the current look. I find the current look a bit clinical, a bit clean, a bit bit drab. Yeah, a bit boring, really. Whereas you know the green matting of Noah was
1: well, especially during its really poor times, was the thing it was known for. There's a middle ground i think like just because you're not making like batman versus superman doesn't mean you need to make yellow submarine you know in the middle ground okay
0: (laughs) i i okay i'm i'm confused by the i'm confused by the beatles
1: reference but okay just because you're not um ariana grande doesn't mean you have to be pink floyd okay
0: uh, has, has this metaphor gotten away from me? I just really, really don't want you to ever mention Ariana Grande and the hallowed band of Pink Floyd in the same sentence again.
1: I I literally just mentioned how far apart they were. Good. I hope you realise that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, this match... You've been a bit new to Ariana Grande, but yeah, she's not a Pink <laughs> Floyd. Anyway, 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 this match... <laughs> This match. Um, first of all, last time you saw... Well, not the last time you saw Kabashi. Last time you saw Kabashi, so Kabashi was in this, guys. This is the first time you've seen Grumpy Old Man Masawa. <laughs> At least for this... I don't know what you've watched outside of this, but like for this segment, it's the first time we've had Grumpy Old Man Masawa. For this segment, it is Grumpy Old Man yeah. Masawa, yeah. So what do you think of um, Grumpy Old Man Masawa? <laughs> it pays...
0: <laughs> it pays testament to the strength of the history of these two. Because going into this match, there was one storyline, one strong storyline, that's Kabashi wanting to finally beat and finally ascend above Misawa. Because Kabashi was always Did seen as me? Misawa's number two. Misawa...
1: Yeah, it's worth mentioning, because the way we're talking, Kabashi has beaten Misawa before. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm right in saying Kabashi... Debut the burning hammer against this so like it's just masawa's just so far in away like the biggest star at the time yeah just beating
0: masawa wasn't enough he needed to ascend to the top of the promotion and this was the way of doing this masawa was not you know kayfabe obviously he was the booker so he was obviously going to put kabashi over but um In kayfabe, Masawa was not letting his best friend usurp him without kicking the ever-loving shit out of him. Basically, he just looked at him and went, you want to take this from me, you are going to have to go through me.
1: And Jesus Christ did Kabashi go through him. (laughs) There's this moment at the start where Kabashi goes for a backfist and Masawa's just so like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> like, he didn't, but like, just the way, just the way, like, without looking, going, you're really going for that right now. Already? Really? Do you, like, do you really think that's going to work, son? There's a, great.
0: I, um, I know I talk a lot about camera work and I sound like such a fucking dork, but mm-hmm. I don't care. There's a moment where I think we're about, <laughs> I think we're about 20, Five minutes into the match. And Kobashi is on all fours on the ramp. And Masawa is on all fours in the middle of the ring. And the cameraman catches them just literally locking eyes. They're, They're miles away from each other. But just catches them locking eyes. They're both on their knees, exhausted, knowing that they've already thrown so much at each other, but they've got to throw even more at each other. And just that look of... Here we go again, and it was ju- it was just an amazing moment.
1: Well, that's the thing, like that's again, that's part of the reason Noah uh, being created because uh, Masawa, when he was the president of All Japan, wanted to update the um, like how the aesthetic, like the aesthetic in Old Japan was, and kind of still is very old school, like very fairly minimalist, is like v- shot like an old territory thing, whereas. Noah wanted, like, more better camera work, because, like, at the time, one of the main competitors on WWE, on um, TV, rather, was WWF-WWE. Yeah. And, like, they were like, well, we can't compete. Like, we... we, It is possible for us to compete like this, but, like, we're not for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you sort of of see that, especially in the entrances. They have, like, this very unique thing where they're, like, following them from backstage to um, the outside. It sort of retains that sort of real fight feel while also having for bells and whistles so I quite like it. Yeah. Um
0: obviously we talked about Masawa you know, Misawa being the head of Noah and after this, you know, he wanted Kobashi to ascend above him so that he could sort of take a back a back seat. <laughs> well, um and we talked about that actually yeah, in the previous Kibashi match. Did. We talked about that in the previous match yeah, about how Masawa you know wanted to put more people into the main event ahead of himself. And here he was trying to put Kobashi on top. And good God those Kobashi chants fair work. it yeah, it, it worked. worked. It really he wanted,
1: did. He went on to have. A, is, is it still the longest reign in company history? I'm not sure. Like, really, the only reason Kibashi wasn't on top for long for longer was because he, um, it's weird. He had like several injuries. For, so, like before this, he was meant he was uh, apparently penciled in to be the first GHC champion, but then um, he had, he desperately needed surgery, so went off off for, on the shelf for like over a year. So, like, Misawa became first champion, which, to fair, still makes sense. And then Kabashi came back. This is him getting it back. And then um, got... I, I can't remember what order came in. First of all, he got um, a tumour on his liver that, or I think, that turned out to be cancerous. And then, um, you know those uh, machine gun chops he does, but somehow Kojima can't do and have be good, but um, Kabashi can do it, and you wince. Um turns out that's really bad for your shoulders and he had to get emergency emergency um surgery on both shoulders because he d- and uh, it's apparently attributed to the shotgun chops. Jesus Christ. I know. Jesus. And somehow Kabashi's still alive. Honestly, like it, Kibashi, me. like it it is it's like Kentuckashi is like the fucking Ozzy Osbourne of wrestling. It's like, how how the how? Just I mean, we we watched because obviously
0: Kobashi wins the championship and the uh, at the culmination, the climax of this match, sorry, and then we watched um, the Takiyama match, which is a title defense, you know, later on from this run, um, and it's interesting to see how Kobashi changes because obviously here he was the massive underdog, yet against Takiyama he had to be, you know, the champion, and it's interesting to see the difference in dynamic. I think I prefer him as the underdog. I mean, here he just he played the face so well, and I think that's testament to how well Massawa played, as you mentioned, grumpy old man Massawa. Um, <laughs> talking about some of these spots, I mean, Massawa coming off the apron early on and literally smashing his own face open on the
1: guardrail. Oh yeah, where he did sort of flip over and land on his feet, but no one does better. Like loads of other people do it, no one does it as good as um, Massawa. And then like just sort of is like, you know what? I, I don't need my neck and just impaled himself on the Speaking of Masawa's neck, Kabashi.
0: Uh, okay. Did Kabashi just think, do you know what? Masawa doesn't need a neck. Every time I do a suplex, I'm going to drop him as high as fucking possible on his neck.
1: Okay. Fun fact, that's also a point raised of when they left Noah, um, left to make Noah that they wanted contracts with better um, healthcare. We were going to be doing shit like this. Honestly,
0: there was a there was a segment in this match where I think Masao was hit with three consecutive suplexes, and all three get progressively higher and higher until the last one. He's literally just dropped on the top of his head. Yeah, there was
1: no protecting yourself from that one. Um, there was also a particularly nasty brainbuster. Later on in the like at the latter end of this match. There was. There was. And it was, like on you think like I'm trying I'm trying to think of like, a comparable brain buster because it's really hard to do without like going nineties Joshi and having Garth come up from come from nowhere to call me a mark. Um <laughs> He's been on this call the entire time. <laughs> it's just like I say I say Akira Hokuto Garth just goes mark and goes away. <laughs> He d- it just turns out he's been sitting in the corner of my room the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like Garf, get, get out! You've had the virus, and my dad's at risk. Anyway, um, yeah, this, we we haven't got onto the elephant in the room with this match yet, and I kind of don't want to because <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Right, so first of all, um, Masai sort of had the dive to the the Cody dive where he landed on the ramp that sort of elevated to be just on the ring. Which, by the way, I used to hate that. I love that now. I love that shit. Okay. Um, but anyway, so lands on this thing and then um, they sort of scrap for a wee bit and then Masao is just sort of like, you know what? Kabashi's gonna die now. And then like, a tiger suplex, which sounds innocuous enough, off of the ramp. Onto the floor. Yeah, it was...
0: Onto the floor. And... Again, that might not um, sound... This is
1: after a brain buster on the ramp.
0: Yeah, this this doesn't sound too bad, but the ramp is raised so the ramp is level with the ring apron because the ring it's apron leads foot straight foot the into the ring, uh, similar to the AEW ramps now.
1: If Fucking Vashy's hell. Like what, six foot two, but has to be at least five foot something, like five foot three, five foot four. Yeah, dropping him round his neck. Like, Bashi's not much taller than the... So, like, imagine, like, it's not, it's about the same height as, like, the raw ramp. So imagine someone being suplexed up the raw ramp. Yeah, and not
0: through a table with a crash mat underneath it, but legitimately just onto the hard concrete floor with a piss wafer thin um, napkin, basically, protecting you from the concrete yeah. underneath. Absolute lunacy. Um, I mean, both men, it took them absolutely ages to get up, and I'm sure that was partly a kayfabe thing and partly a. Holy shit, my head and neck hurt.
1: Well, imagine if one of them got up straight away how much that would have ruined the moment.
0: Yeah. Um. It was... I think it's not that, only the match that... itself that makes this great. And go on, you go on with your spot you want to talk about and then I'll talk
1: about that afterwards. It was not especially a spot more than like Misawa started hitting Kibashi with literally all his signature moves and none of them. Like, um, Tiger Driver didn't work. Emerald Flogen didn't work. Um, like, eventually he was going for what I believe was being teased as the Tiger Driver 93.
0: I think you know, so. The one, yeah.
1: that he, the one that he killed Kawada with. <laughs>
0: we all remember that one, Chris. We all remember just how high yep. on his neck Kawada landed.
1: Oh, you think? That's disgusting. You should have give, seen the one he gave to Johnny Ace. But, um... yeah, like, Masawa just threw everything. Like, his elbows, which, like, Masawa's elbows are God. That's just an unwritten rule. Yeah. Um, And then, like, Kabashi started doing the same. Like, his brain buster, like, he's teasing the Emerald Crush and stuff like that. Like, it, this match played off their history so perfectly. And I mentioned last time about how, like, Masawa... No, um, Kabashi rather just teasing a Burning Hammer um make someone if he hits you with a burning hammer it means you're the biggest threat of his life
0: yeah and i think that if you've got a move that you don't break out all the time and you only break once you do break it out it's over it's one of those things where you know you know I spoke about hashimoto earlier about how how can you miss it if it's never there or how can you miss it sorry if it never goes it's like and i'm sorry to Reference AEW again, but it's like Hangman Page's moonsault. Yes, it's great, but he does it every
1: single fucking match. Whereas yeah, I, I think that's one of the best things um, AEW have been doing is not having Kenny do the one winged angel every week. Exactly. That's, that's that's like the most protected finish in New Japan, and itself sort of just keeping it going.
0: Exactly. So Kabashi here, he pulls out the burning hammer what six times in his career or something ridiculous in now? Seven. seven times in his seven. career.
1: Actually, you know it's funny. You know how Elgin does it just as his normal finish. Yes. Um Eddie Kingston started being annoy started annoying him on Instagram. <laughs> like there was Elgin was at a Noah show with Kabashi in commentary. And Kabashi sort of had his eyes wide open when Elgin was on the Burning Hammer and he tagged... and Eddie Kingston tagged Big Mike, um t- tagged Elgin going, This is what this is the look of somebody only here that move moves seven times, brother. <laughs> but yeah, like um it, it's almost sad that people like we discussed this the last time, when people lift elements of King's Road, and we undoubtedly have either directly or indirectly, um, they sort of just take the most superficial... For, for example, take Trent Seven. Now, don't get me wrong, I love Trent Seven. A good Trent Seven match is as good as anyone else. But, he takes such superficial elements of King's Road that sometimes it can be actively annoying. Yeah. Like, for example, he has the Burning Hammer as a near He has the explosion as a transitional move. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? It's like, And, like, that, that's just an, an example. Like, so many people try to emulate King's Road, not quite getting what made it good. And, like, it's sort of like, it's the it's the interlaced storytelling. And you see the interlaced storytelling here, and it's sort of like, yeah, this feels like a match between two people who have had half a million matches, between two people who know each other so well, between two people who have essentially started the wrestling revolution by leaving a company. Basically
0: the best way to describe this match is the end of an era.
1: Yeah. Like, um I t- I'm trying to think of a movie comparison, but I'm really struggling. Because <laughs> you've watched no <laughs> yeah. movies whatsoever. I've watched some movies. I watched a movie last night. What was it? Um it was shit, what was it? It was on Disney Plus. Um shit, what was it? It wasn't that good. Um, oh, Sword of the Stone! I watched Sword of the Stone last night. Oh my god, my girlfriend loves that film. To be fair, I I used to love that film when I was a kid, and but and then I grew up. Was that a shoot, bro? <laughs> my bro, god, you do, no. are you going all no, no, Ogawa a...
0: on my girlfriend's Hashimoto? <laughs>
1: That sounds like such an awful. It sounds awful, um, doesn't it? Well, as I said it, I was like, "That no, is if you, rank." If you overheard that, you're definitely gonna have to explain. That. I've got a no, horrible no, feeling she has um, heard it. No, it's it's just a case of um, with Disney films, so many of them sort of like have layers. Sort of still, it's just sort of like a, like a base level Disney. I, I'm scared. I'm just digging myself into a bigger hole. <laughs> just stop. Just stop. It's okay, Chris.
0: It's okay. <laughs> just. Just leave it there, mate. It's fine. Basically, guys, we love that match. It's great storytelling. It's simplistic storytelling at its best. Am I right, Chris?
1: And also like and also both men die a lot.
0: Yeah. Both men have
1: no regard for their neck whatsoever. Um it's- would go on to kill Masawa actually in hindsight it's quite uncomfortable actually you know, what's really uncomfortable in hindsight I was on the first Noah show Um, Akiyama turned heel on Masawa and- not on no, Masawa because he was much about. anyway um, hit, um, Masawa was finished and then like EMTs came out to pretend that- to pretend uh, Masawa was in proper trouble in hindsight that's just one of those things
0: there's yeah, high side's a wonderful thing. You can't you can't look too much into it. They, ain't, there was no way they could have known they what did, was going to yeah. happen. No way they could have known what yeah, was going like, to happen.
1: It's sort Masala. of like when um Joy Styles shouted, "Oh, I'm sad that um the suicide dive didn't work on Mike Awesome or something." It's just sort of like in ever, it's Halloween. But anyway, we that, that's sort of a bad a bad way to end it. So Rob, um, I'm going to ask you this right now. What kind of thing do you want the next time? <laughs> Because these are probably going to be the Young Lions for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah, until New Japan start putting stuff out again, this is going to be what we're going to be doing. Um, I love my old school wrestling. So, you know, your stuff like Misawa, you know, stuff like Hanson, things like that. Surprise me so with shit have, like you that. You want horse matches? I basically want some <laughs> horse.
1: I want I want hoss <laughs> and I want storytelling. And I'm and, and spacing up Stan Hansen matches for a reason because there's not a lot of like amazing, amazing ha- Stan Hansen matches. Like, you've already seen the peak, to be quite honest with you. You take that fucking back. But you have... There's still great Stan Hansen matches. It's just a case of not many of them top him and Gordy versus Koada and Tenry. Um, well, I'll tell you what. The ones that I want
0: for next time because you're going to message them with me tonight. I know you are. I want... <laughs> Some great deep storytelling, uh huh, or all out hoss battles.
1: Okay, that's going to be two of the categories, but we do need three, so I'm gonna.
0: Okay, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that is all we have got time for on this episode of the Young Lioncast. Thank you so much for listening, we really do appreciate it. You can talk to us on Twitter. At Young Lion Cast. We're featured on Purogate, um, which is a website doing reviews of all the world of Puro Please check them out as well. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast absolutely anywhere you get your podcasts, whether that's Google, whether that's Spotify, whether that's Apple Podcasts. We are there. Um, Check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk for archived episodes of every single episode of the Young Lion cast. Um, you can talk to me on Twitter at at RealRobGoodwin. Chris, where can they find you on Twitter?
1: And um, oh, fuck, what was it Ambushi? Ambushi. Yes. Okay, and how I, many I, A's I, has that I, got I in it? Oh, fuck, hang on. Okay. Because <laughs> last, last time I had to go check... And then my internet crashed.
0: Okay. Well, whilst... so we can
1: we can, go on. we can. actually do this. Hang on. And it is one A and two N's and bushy. Okay. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: if you well, want to go like follow Chris there,
1: yeah. And bushy. There you go.
0: Anyway, thank you so much for listening guys. We'll be back in two weeks time with another episode of the classic match review. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you guys again soon.